0: Welcome to the Kenza Pod brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. Welcome to another episode of the Kenza pod. We are here with Chase Andre and of course Beth Gummery, Kenza's CFO. And um, today we're going to be talking about how to confidently communicate with your clients. You know, one of the most important skills to learn as a freelancer, independent professional, really any kind of professional is the ability to communicate effectively with your clients in a clear and confident way. And, you know, as a freelancer, you're going to have many presentations to give from that initial meeting to presenting your scope of work or your proposal, um, showing your project progress, your final deliverables. And there's going to be a lot of sort of check in points there. So learning how to speak confidently and lead effective meetings is a really important skill that you really should not shy away from. So in today's episode, we're going to talk to Chase, who helps leaders share their message through speaking at conferences, webinars, and workshops so that they can speak confidently and authentically while they increase their impact and grow their business. He is a professor of communication, perfect, and a father of two. Silas is two years old and Nariah is six months old. I love that name. And Chase is gonna just walk us through some pro tips to help us understand how to effectively communicate with your clients and just really um, show up with confidence. So, welcome to the show, Chase.
1: Thank you so much, I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And I just wanna give a quick shout out to Chase. He has been one of the first fans of the Kenza Collective since we were born. I don't even know how you found us, but it was totally <laughs> fake. We went to the to same honest, college, which is crazy.
1: We did, and that was not how we found each other. I know. But, uh, <laughs> I, I just was a, such a fan of what you're doing. Aww. I love it, and uh, I've been a fan of the podcast. Um, I've connected with some of your past uh, guests. Ooh, Teresa cool. Ruiz-Decker and I are now nice. connected, and um, yeah, I, I think you are really helping parents succeed and that's so important because especially in today's day and age we're trying to juggle so much um and so you you at Kenza are really stepping in and filling a huge need so I've felt it I've benefited from it from yeah and uh I can't wait to see Kenza only grow and explode from here
2: yay thanks
0: Chase I needed to hear that today so I appreciate that
2: I, mean it. I needed to hear Starting that too. A is
0: not easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're crying. Uh, All right. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Yes. Thank you. Well, let's have you get started by just sharing a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some of your story, and um, what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, uh, I work full-time. I teach full-time at at the college where we both attended, and uh, I love teaching communication. Um, I'm grateful for the chance to be able to do that full-time, but that's not always the case. Um, I, for a long time, worked, uh, taught only part-time, and uh, when my oldest was born, my wife and I looked at what was on our plates and our careers and the prospect of putting him in in childcare. And we said, you know, it makes more sense for me to scale back my work and be with him full-time than it does for us to figure out the world of childcare or, or do anything else. So for really the first two years of his life, he's three next month now, um, I was full-time dad and, uh, and part-time professor. And, you know, in the waking moments, other than that, um, I was uh, working with, with freelancers and with business leaders, um, uh, leaders of nonprofits and helping them with their communication. I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I was in Las Vegas going to seminars on how to give seminars. (laughs) So long before I, I, you know, went to college and then ended up a college professor, I was trying to learn how to uh, give seminars and and that seminar business world, um, which, you know, 15 plus years since then has only uh, grown into podcasts and, and webinars and all the other ways that we get our ideas out in front of others. And I've noticed in that time, and especially since studying Communication as an academic discipline, that it's so important how we communicate what we communicate, uh, the way in which we persuade or invite or captivate an audience is so important. And we're doing it all the time. It's not just when we stand behind some stiff podium. We are always communicating. So, um it's been a long winding road to end up from where I was at 15 to where I am now, but that's what I, I love to do. and That's what I get to do to help business leaders unite their passions and what drives them, their purpose uh, with their business and speak clearly, confidently and convincingly about those things.
0: I love that Chase. And what I love about that is, and what I hope that we can get into here is the importance of really taking this seriously because, you know, you do a lot of work to bring on a client and I've been a client myself and seen after I've been like paid the bill, you know, been like, okay, yeah, I'm in the communication just tank, you know? And I feel like that first, I was just thinking about that this, this morning, that first like month with a new client is so important that you're communicating regularly, clearly, yeah. making sure they really feel taken care of and heard, and obviously beyond that. But you know that communication piece, that emotional intelligence—if you can really work on that with your clients, you're going to stand out so much as a it's professional. It's
1: so true. You know, we um, <laughs> we always hear niches in the riches, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Define yourself, stand up from the crowd. But the point is that there's a lot of people doing the kind of work we do. And uh, and why do our clients choose us? Well, yeah, it might be our website. It might be our offer. But often it's uh, we're connected to them. <laughs> and so staying connected to them, staying front of mind, uh, and, and staying human is such an important part of your client's journey and your journey yeah. with them.
0: Yeah, I love it. Okay. So let's get into some of these main sort of points of contact that you'll have with your clients. I mean, we could talk for hours about this, I'm sure, but we sort of picked out three or four different points that we felt like would be a good place to start to educate our listeners. So, um, let's start with the point at which you are presenting a project proposal to a client. What are some strategies you might share with our listeners and listener land about, you know, doing that effectively?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you may have taken a public speaking class in high school or college. Um, but those classes, at least the ones I don't teach, uh, tend to not make you think about the times that you are actually speaking in front of others. And so there might be a disconnect in your mind from public speaking and Project uh, or portfolio uh, presentation, project proposal, um, mm. but that absolutely is uh, a speech. <laughs> so yeah. how do we do that? Well, well, before you present anything, but certainly if you're going to present a project proposal, you have to know your audience, who you're mm. speaking to, and in this case, it's your client, right? You have to know who you are uh, presenting to. So do as much research as you can to really understand. The company or the person and what they need what they're looking for um, you've got to know them and be able to speak their language um, but when you're presenting a proposal you're presenting a solution and so if you're going to be presenting a solution you have to know the problem as well mm-hmm. so if you are going to um, Know your audience. You're going to know what's plaguing your audience and know not just the client, the person that you're presenting to, the potential client, but know the problem as well. Um, So when you are offering a a, a proposal, be sure to frame it as that which solves that problem, Mm -hmm. that which um, can satisfy that that hunger and maybe even give voice to the needs that they don't realize they have yet. Oh, I love that. Finally, I guess, if anything else, know your value. Um, Know your worth, what you're bringing, uh, and know exactly what you are offering. There should be no questions by the end of your project proposal in your client's, your audience's mind about what you're offering, what you're asking, and what they need to do to get it. So obviously this gets teased out in, in, uh, you know, much thicker <laughs> ways we could spend a lot of time on each of those things. But yeah. at a 10,000 foot view, what I do is help my uh, clients to know their audience, know the problem and know the value that they're proposing.
0: Yes. I love that. And I want to add on to that a couple of things. One thing that I always try and um, encourage people to do, um, unless it's like a repeat client you've been working with for years, but even then always present your proposals I'm really against just emailing over a five-page pdf of your proposal i really Absolutely. don't like that because guess what they're going to do they're going to open it and they're going to scroll right to the bottom and look at the price they're mm-hmm. not going to take the time to read through the work you put in to craft that proposal and what i like to tell people is to really it's like a you're like telling them a story you start with the yes. overview of the project this is your problem and this is by the end of our project and by the end of our time together, we're going to solve it and it's going to look like this and just start there. And then you get into the details of like, here's how that's going to play out. Here's how I'm going to arrange the project. Here's how we'll communicate. Here's, you know, all the different sections of a proposal. But I just wanted to throw those two little tidbits out there is because I, I see a lot of freelancers just sending over proposals and, um, I don't like that. I don't think that
1: that's what you should do. I I, I wholeheartedly agree. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, If it comes time for a proposal, have some scripts ready. One could be something like, um, I would love to schedule a time to go over this with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and make sure you get a date on the calendar before you send them the package, Mm -hmm. uh, before you send them the PDF, because your ability to present it as a story, I love that, uh, is going to be so much more convincing. And your ability to um, anticipate, sense problems, uh, Mm -hmm. questions uh, Mm -hmm. will be so much heightened than if they are looking at a flat document that can't respond to them. So absolutely, always, always, always present quote unquote, in person, right? The world of of Zoom and virtual (laughs) presentations absolutely count. Phone calls can work as well, as long as you're looking at the same document, but, uh, but yet don't let the PDF do the talking for you.
0: Yes. Yeah. And if you're doing a video call, the other perk is that you can pay attention to their body language. Mm -hmm. So if you're going over something in the proposal, keep an eye on them. Um, see how they're responding to something or see if they may be tuned out for something or just watch. And if they have a weird look on their face, tune into that and say, did you have a question about that? that, Did that feel confusing or should we go over that again? You know, again, these are just all the little tips that help you stand out from other freelancers out there, which is
2: crucial. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
2: also I want to just say, if somebody's hiring you as a freelancer to come in and do a project, it means they have a problem, right? That needs to be solved. (laughs) So when people have problems, they're anxious. And so if you can take Mm -hmm. away the anxiety by being proactive and saying, you know, we're going to communicate every Friday or we're going to do this, it's really going to help a lot. I think with the situation, I know I've seen that in consulting where people are like, now what? And it's like, well, (laughs) here's what we're going to do next. And, and if you stay in touch with them, it really helps. So anyway, that's a great point
1: to um, Tiffany's first point, like know that you can keep the communication up once the, Proposals received. Um, communication should end there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I love, Tiffany, how you framed it as a story. Yeah. It absolutely is. Uh, Fame rhetorician, 20th century Walter Fisher said, you know, we're not uh, homo sapiens, creatures of wisdom. We're homo narrants, creatures mm. of the story. <laughs> and so yeah. anytime we um, can frame what we're doing in in the story, right? You basically gave the hero's journey, right? There's going to yeah. be some, some, uh, struggle and we're going to overcome it together. And this is how we're going to do it. When you know the problem and you can offer a clear solution, they see themselves overcoming the problems that they're facing, so laying those, uh, proverbial dragons. And, uh, and you're the guide that helps them along the way.
2: When I heard that we were going to talk to Chase, I thought it was fantastic because One of the things that I think you probably also do, Chase, in addition to all the stuff we've talked about, is help people overcome one of the biggest fears that human beings have, right? Which is speaking in front of groups, right? So people are more afraid afraid of speaking in front of groups than they are of spiders, of heights, of fire, of water, of all the other things you can be afraid of in life. People are terrified of speaking in front of groups. (laughs) So, I mean... Is there a is there an easy way that you can help them get over that? I mean, like on the Brady Bunch, I don't know, you guys might not remember that show. I remember it, I'm a little older <laughs> than you. But there was this one episode where they were like, Oh, when you're speaking in front of a group, imagine the whole audience in their underwear, right?
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> is that where that comes from? Yeah. I've always heard that. Uh, I haven't uh, seen that episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not it's usually enough. the advice I give, but <laughs> maybe it works for some people. <laughs> Maybe it depends on your audience. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> we'll just let that one sit oh, right that's there. Yes. Funny. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Let me tell you. You know, it's one of those things that you just learn by doing. Uh, mm. It's normal. You're right. So many people feel feel anxious when it comes to public speaking. Some studies have said it's the number one fear in America. Um, wow. Jerry Seinfeld has this great bit about how public speaking is a greater fear than death in America. And he says, so if you're at a funeral, you'd rather be the guy in the box than the guy giving the <laughs> eulogy. <laughs>
2: Which puts things in perspective, don't it? Yeah, Yeah, and then at the same time, you think about what Jerry Seinfeld's doing, which is stand-up, which is not only speaking in front of a group, but then expecting them to think you're funny. And if they're not, it's a whole other
1: (laughs) other thing. You know, I gave Jerry Seinfeld's punchline right there, and there was just a a pause, and I felt all the (laughs) dread of whether or not I was going to (laughs) fall flat. So so you can do this professionally and still feel it.
2: So on that, that's good to know. on that topic, how important is humor when presenting to a group? Is, is that a good tool or is, do you recommend it? Yeah, absolutely
1: it's, you know especially if um, you're thinking about persuading or, or inviting a, a new client to join you, people have a hard time saying no when they're in a good mood. So studies have shown that um, humor is is an effective step towards persuasion, at least on one level of just likability. Yeah. If people are laughing, they're enjoying being with you. And uh, there's a great little book called Influence by Robert Cialdini, and he he lays out the ways in which we are influenced. And one of the ways he says is likability. If we like the person who's trying to sell us the car or, you know, the girls, the, the girl scout cookie stand, uh, we're much more likely to buy from them. Um, it, or, you know, if we're watching Super Bowl commercials and it's celebrity after celebrity, after celebrity, we're much more likely to think well, or to buy from that company because, uh, we like those celebrities, right? That likability factor. And so I think humor translates there mm-hmm. when we can get our audience laughing. They're in a good mood and they're much more likely to, uh, Stay in a good mood throughout the whole presentation. Yeah.
0: So let's so, take a scenario of like, you have a client that you're going to be meeting with. Um, maybe it's just a status meeting and they're like, oh yeah, I'm inviting the CEO in. He kind of wants to see what we're up to. Like, what are some ways you can kind of get yourself hyped up and ready to go and lead that meeting? You know?
2: Yeah.
1: Not too hyped absolutely. up. Not too <laughs> much. I, yeah. I, I think first off, is recognizing that the nervousness, the anxiety you feel is completely natural and just part of the process. Recognize it, feel it, accept it, and then let it go Uh, because (laughs) it is just going to hinder you if you um, focus too much on it. It becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy i mm. uh, i'm gonna do horrible i'm gonna i'm it's gonna be off I, you keep telling yourself that that then yes that's what's gonna happen but mm-hmm. if you say you know i'm nervous mm-hmm. because this really matters because very... i want to do a good job and uh and i i i need to i want to impress these people i think my offerings my my mm-hmm. solutions will actually help them and i want to make sure that that i do my best um that's very different than saying i'm i'm horrible <laughs> at this so be be aware of your self talk uh, and and tell yourself the story that you need to believe to succeed. Yeah, um, imagine yourself doing well. You know that when you start to spiral down, and we all do it, but spiral down. What happens if uh, the joke l- lands flat, or what happens if if uh, I forget everything? You're more likely going to set that up for to happen. So instead, focus on. Um, being successful and then know that preparation is an important part. (laughs) Um, Actually, actually speak what you want to say out loud. Don't just write some notes and, and hope that it all comes out, but uh, treat this like a a skill, like a craft, just like you would in in your design work or any other work you do and know that um, forming the words out loud before you go will, will, train your brain to say the words you want to say when you're there. So um, mm-hmm. put some time, put some effort into it, uh, get some help, get some folks to listen in what you, you want to say and, and ask for some feedback as well. That's just presenting. That's ne- not necessarily leading meetings, but uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, dealing tips. with anxiety. You know, so much of our, um, one of the things I do with with my students, my clients is to take an inventory of their sp- Speech, communication, apprehension, and mm. uh, so often studies have found that um, that fear—it's not so much a fear of public speaking or being in front of people. It's actually a, a fear of failure, mm. and it's a, it's a fear of of messing up, not doing it right. So what I tell my clients is: don't aim for perfection. Aim to be yourself. Aim to present what you have to them the best you can, but don't aim for perfection. You're actually aiming for a connection
2: Hmm. and,
1: and we make connection when we're human
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we're human.
1: When we uh, look at the slip ups, we make in full view and, and, and don't try to act like we're anything other than who we are. So, um, You know, I I tell my my students, my clients all the time, anyone can be a good communicator. You don't have to be someone else to do it. You don't have to be Martin Luther King Jr. or Steve Jobs. You don't have to be someone else to be a good speaker, good communicator. Just be yourself and be okay with making connections with others.
0: And you're good at this, Chase.
2: (laughs) I know, I feel more (laughs) relaxed already. I know. Well, wow, I can you know, do one this. Of the things that,
0: <laughs> yeah. One thing that happens to me, I think one of my biggest fears, because this has happened to me a couple of times, is like, and I, I'm curious if you have a strategy for this moment, because I'm sure people have done this too. You're in the middle of a meeting. You're maybe presenting, or you're somehow involved in leading a meeting, and all of a sudden, your mind goes blank. You forgot the question they asked. You forgot what you were going to do next. You literally like can barely remember your own name, just something happens. And actually that happened to a recent podcast guest of ours. And it was actually kind of nice. I was like, Oh, this happens to other people too. Okay, cool. 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 Yeah. <laughs> what? What is yeah. that? Why does that happen? And like, what can we do in that moment to not feel like an idiot? You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, I think a few things. Yes, it does happen. And also, it probably happens in our mind more often than it happens in reality. Uh, <laughs> so, so we're probably more afraid of it happening than it actually happening. Um, yeah. So, you know. <sighs> but it does happen. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, depending on what happens probably dictates what you do next. But um, ask a question is probably yeah. your best bet. <laughs> yeah, and make make the presentation interactive and, and ask a question. Um, mm, that's good. Give yourself a, a few moments to to gather your thoughts. Um, you know, uh, turn it to the people in the room and, and say, mm. you, know, uh, you know, if you need to fess up, hey, where was I going with this? <laughs> Being yeah. human is fine. Yeah. Being human is fine. It's okay. People are far more... Uh, uh, forgiving to us to presenters than we are on ourselves, but um, mm. what I would say not to do is don't talk down to yourself, don't mm. apologize profusely, mm-hmm. don't chain, don't give them a script to follow. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I'm so nervous. I, uh, I knew I was going to do <laughs> this. I forgot everything. Oh no, don't do that because <laughs> yeah. now you're you're telling your audience what. They should believe about you. Yeah, just you forgot something. It's not a big deal. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Where was I? Yeah. (laughs) It's so much better than I am so stupid. I just I I am such a I'm a horrible speaker. (laughs) What are they thinking about now? If you do that,
0: yeah. You've
1: already told them. So so don't apologize profusely. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst. And don't talk down to yourself. Are my my rules: Do not do that ever when you're presenting. Those are, yeah. those are the do nots. Those are good rules. Yeah, I like
2: that. I like I like that too because it's it's more like, um, you know, there's all these things like be prepared, have a script, and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute! Like the reality is, nothing ever goes the way it's planned to go. You know, mm-hmm. like or maybe one or two things every now and then, but for the most part. <laughs> For the most part, like, life is just this dynamic, weird thing where everything that can go wrong will go wrong at some point, you know? So the whole thing, I think, is more about relaxing, having a sense of humor about things and being relatable and human because those people have all given speeches, too, where they, like, forgot or they, you know, had a moment where they were terrified or something. I think people recognize that. And um, yeah. You know, being a human being is is helpful. <laughs>
1: Important and and the only thing we can do. and the
2: only thing we <laughs> yeah. are.
1: <laughs> yeah, Beth, you you mentioned a script, and I I agree. um Sometimes we do write out a script, and sometimes we write out a, a word for word script of what we're going to present as a means of control. Right? We mm-hmm. want to know exactly what we're going to say. Sometimes, though, that becomes a block. Yeah. That gets in our way. We misread something. We lose our place. It's better, I think, to work from an outline. You know, maybe type out a script if that's helpful for you. Practice with the script. Then throw it out and and work from an outline and know that uh, things never go precisely to plan. And the people on the other end of the conversation probably won't even know it if things get changed in the moment. So um, give yourself permission to release your scripts and uh, fly a little faster and looser as you're presenting.
2: We've definitely yeah. noticed and that on the yes. podcast, Tiff, haven't we?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes we have. <laughs>
2: we started out
0: with full-on scripts that I would sit down and write, and it was both a matter of necessity and a matter of just observing that, first of all, we don't have time to do that for every podcast now. Just We just straight don't have time. But I also yeah. realized that, and I even got feedback from some close friends of mine that were like, I can tell when you're – reading something you wrote already and i can tell when you're just talking to me and i like when you just talk to me and i'm like but what if i say something stupid or what if i like (laughs) meander down a road and then i just get way off topic and then you're like god where's she going like i get all in my head and i'm like but they're like yeah but that's what we want to hear i'm like okay
1: (laughs) that's why the goal is connection not perfection yeah the script gives you perfection but you miss connection and your listeners know
0: yeah it's so true the other thing to throw out there too, just in terms of like preparation. So, um, before I went off on my own, I was the producer at a super busy, uh, creative agency yeah. and the way that we ran our studio, it was a four day work week and we would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with pretty much no client meetings, unless it was maybe like a new business meeting or something like that. And on Thursday we would stack back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back to back client meetings. Literally starting at like eight thirty nine in the morning, every hour was a client meeting. All We took a lunch break and then all the way to five. And at first you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. But it was actually kind of nice because you had no other meetings the rest of the week. All you did was prepare for all that. Then you get all of that. And so basically my role was to lead, to, to build out what we were going to talk about and to lead all of those meetings. So by the end of the day, like me and the, the owner of the studio, <clears throat> it was him and I all day together in this meeting room. We'd sit down with like a glass of scotch on the couch and be like... Woo, you know,
1: <laughs> white. Yeah.
0: Right. But the only way, I mean, these projects would go from like a branding project to like app development to website development. So it's just all over. And the only way we could really do that was to be prepared, was to yes. write out a meeting agenda, put the bullet points yes. down, make sure a lot of times I would put at the top of each agenda, like what's the point of this meeting? What are we hoping to accomplish? We're trying to yeah. present this and get a decision on that. And so if there was a moment, especially by that three or four o'clock hour when I'm like, you know, six meetings deep and I'm like, oh my God, what are we even doing in this? I could just look at my past yes. selves' work and be like, oh yeah, okay, here's what we need to cover. Here's what we need to cover. And, and that saved me so many times when I had those blank moments or when I felt unprepared or whatever is doing that prep work and also sending that to the client. And saying, here's what we're planning on talking about. Do you have anything you'd like to add to this agenda? And that also helps control the time so you don't, you know, you're not going over time because that would just bleed into the next client's meeting. So we couldn't do that. And it also, again, goes back to making sure the client feels heard and feels right. like they're part of the process. Do you have something you want to talk to us about? Did you have a question? You know, we're under contract. Do you have some random? question you want to talk about that you want to pick our brains about, you know, here's your opportunity. Yeah. And so there's just so much to be said about preparing, um, to help you through all yes. these things.
1: Yeah. Sounds like you're doing every, or you did everything right back then. That's awesome. great. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> um, you know, I, I, with, in studying communication, we say communication happens when meaning is shared. Um, but meaning happens at two levels. It happens at the content. But it also happens at the context, and the content is like what's set, right? The agenda of the meeting. The context is is the relationship. It's the who. It's the what. It's the it's the where. It's the uh, the, the how. It's everything around the meeting itself, mm-hmm. the content itself. And by mm-hmm. um sent, being, by preparing and then sending that to your clients, you were touching both. Mm-hmm. You said this is the content, but you're also saying the relationship's important to me. Mm-hmm. I want your voice. I need you to give feedback. You're a part of this process as well. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're leading meetings, look to lead on both the content and the context level if mm-hmm. you want a successful outcome. And also do what you said and say, what exactly do we need to do in this meeting? Get out of this meeting. Big letters at the top is, is a great way to do that. But uh, yeah. know that that relationship level is also really important.
0: Yeah, I love that. You have so many good little. We always try and pick a quote to share on social <laughs> to kind of tease the episode, and I'm like, we got nine yeah, already yeah, of these yeah. like perfect little things. Yeah,
1: well,
0: <laughs>
2: awesome.
1: You're welcome. I, I so don't know good. what to say.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about. Um, I'm sure a lot of us have been in this scenario. <clears throat> You're in a meeting. It's going along. And all of a sudden, something weird happens. Somebody says something weird. The client reacts, like, in a way you're not expecting. Like, maybe you show something you're super excited about, and they're like, yeah, I don't really know. Or, and you know, that moment where you kind of, if you're in person, you kind of feel the air sucked out of the room. Those types mm-hmm. of moments where you're just like,
2: Ugh, what now? What now?
0: yeah what do i say how do i turn this back around like chase what are your tactics and your strategies for that moment yeah
1: such an important important question um know that those moments happen and they present awesome opportunities Mm. because conflict is not always a bad thing it's at first it's an opportunity Mm -hmm. right uh and it can actually strengthen your working relationship because you've gone through a fire together if you Mm -hmm. resolve it well Mm -hmm. and uh and what you need to do is recognize that content and context level um it's worth taking some inventory of yourself and know where your strengths lie where your team's strengths lie um tends to happen that teams are comprised of some people that lean into the, the to-do list and some people that are more relational. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's important to know uh, because sometimes what seems like a content problem might actually be a relational problem. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's worth being able to draw a boundary around the problem. And so you want to, you want to uh, drill down to be able to define what is actually going on. What is actually a problem? What, you know, what caused that air suck out of the room <laughs> moment? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's difficult. It might take some asking questions. It might take some pause buttons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, I noticed something just happened here. Um, it seems to me like, uh, you know, don't blame the others, you try to use I statements, right? Uh, I noticed this. I wonder if I, uh, might have said something wrong. Um, but give an opportunity for the conflict to move from the periphery where we're ignoring the elephant in the room to, uh, to the main, to the fray. So, mm.
0: um,
1: and as you do it, work to define the problem so you know what kind of problems at hand and that will help you lead to uh, a solution.
0: I like that. So it sounds like what you're saying is to not just keep going and pretend Mm -hmm. like something didn't happen or whatever, to just take a moment and pause and identify it. Is every, are we okay? It seems like maybe, you know, Uh, do you have questions or just try and probe a little bit more in a gentle non kind of confrontational way, but kind of see what's maybe going on there and not just brush over it is, is a better tactic than pretending like it didn't just happen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and maybe it is a small thing and maybe they brush it off or maybe you choose based on time or where you're at to, to brush it off and address it later in an email or something. You know, we're speaking a hypothetical, so it's hard to to brush every situation with the same uh, brush, but but give yourself permission to recognize what you sensed and and address that. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't do it in a condescending or hostile way, but do it in a way in which the problem becomes the problem and you and your client or whoever else is in the meeting are on the same side working towards a resolution
0: together. Oh, I like that. That's such a great visual.
2: Beth, have you ever
0: had a moment like that?
2: <clears throat> no, I was trying to think of examples of like things that could go wrong in that kind of scenario. And, you know, I was just thinking about like a scenario in which you present something and you say, here, and we're going to do it. And the co- the main color will be orange or something. And then the person's <laughs> like, my ex-wife loved the color orange and I I'm mad at her so we can't use you know like like I think sometimes in business, sometimes even though we're all trying to put on our game face and be professional, sometimes there are personal triggers for people, right? Because we're oh, all human yeah. beings. So so something could happen where it's like, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with their, their baggage of some kind. Mm-hmm. And they like, mm-hmm. you know, have a moment and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> so I mean, you know, there may be some more examples of that that we can think of. That you know, it would be interesting totally. to come up with a scenario and then think of how we deal with it. You know, yeah. Oh,
0: I, I, there's an, I have a perfect scenario okay. for you. There was a, there was a moment. Um, again, just talking about this last company I worked for, we were presenting, we were presenting something to a client, and it was a new homepage, and they had sent us all these photos to use, and um, so we put them in, you know, and it was this beautiful design of a homepage, and we could tell that the client. Was just being weird about it. We could just see her body language, and we could see her face, and we were like, "What's going on?" So finally, like, we were like, "So, um, you know, what do you think? You know, how? You know, what are you thinking about this? How is this landing for you?" And and we kind of had to probe, and finally, it came out that the photos they had sent us, she like didn't want to say it, but apparently, there was these two people in a couple of the photos who like had this super scandalous affair, <laughs> right? right. And she didn't really know how to say it to us Yeah. of like, we can't use those photos because it turned like, especially on our homepage, because it turns out these two, like, actually that was a thing right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it had nothing to do with right. our design. Exactly. It had nothing to do with us. It was like some, yeah. and we were thinking like, why did you send us those photos then? Yeah. You know? But anyway, we didn't ask yeah. that. We're just like, oh, no problem. <laughs> we can replace those, <laughs> you know? But yeah it's important. And Chase, maybe you can speak about em- emotional intelligence. Cause I'm so into this love. Like it's important to get to know your clients and to read them and try and read them and not assume things, but just see that maybe something's off and
1: ask about it, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's such a perfect example of <laughs> why, articulating what's actually the problem and not just making assumptions of what you think mm-hmm. the problem is, is really important because it had nothing to do with your work. Right. You made it a wonderful website, fantastic homepage with the photos that they sent you, the photos they sent you and a relational problem between people in the photos was really the issue. Yeah. Um, that we, we talk about in connection to emotional intelligence, cognitive complexity, and that's just the idea mm. that you can hold the possibility of, of multiple scenarios in your mind at once. Mm. So, if you see her body language and immediately think she hates it, oh my gosh! All these hours of work, I, I I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> I, I just I can't do it anymore.
2: I'm a fraud. I'm terrible at
1: this. (laughs) And she immediately goes spiral, you know, downward spiral. Oh my god, what am I
0: gonna say? How am I gonna tell them? I can't help. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah. But if you say, okay, I see that there's something going on. It's significant. It's causing a problem. It is impacting. You know, this meeting. But it might not be about me. <laughs> not everything is about us. Maybe wow. yeah. I'm still learning that. No. <laughs> but we it's important are. to know. Yeah, it's yeah. important to know. So um, the ability to hold a number of different scenarios. Okay, she's having a problem, but it might not be that she doesn't like our work. Maybe we can ask into this to find out what it is. That's an important part of emotional intelligence. And then also just to know the cues, like you were saying. Um do you know your audience, your your clients well enough to be able to read their body language? You know mm-hmm. to know when something goes sour, and uh, and and to have enough confidence in your ability to read that to bring it up, mm.
0: um, Good
1: point. and yet enough skills to bring it up in a non-threatening way. So yeah. clearly you don't like it. Well, yeah, I wouldn't go with that approach. <laughs> yeah. But how, how could you raise questions? And it sounds like that's what you did. But make space for them to offer their interpretation of the problem. Yeah. So that you don't have to assume what that problem is.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, so as we started to wrap up here, Chase, I was wondering if maybe, and, and I don't think I prepped you with this, but I know that you can jump in. <laughs> I was wondering if maybe, um, you could leave our listeners with, you know, some practical ways that they can start to build this skill and hone this skill. Um, because I'm sure that a lot of people struggle with this and, um, just like any other muscle, it sounds like it's something you really need to practice doing, you know? So what are some ways that maybe you share with your students to work on this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to giving a, 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 you know, project proposal, a pitch or anything like that, before your next meeting, before you give it, record yourself giving it. Set up your, you know, uh, Zoom room, press record or go to, you know, the, the video app in, in your phone, press record and talk to that camera like you're talking to another human and, uh, and present, um, you know your whole thing if it's a um, virtual presentation and you've got a slide deck to go through you can use Zoom. you can um, go into a, a zoom room and as long as it's not longer than an hour even the free one free accounts do this share your screen so that you can see the slides your video will stay up and give that presentation with everything you, you have just like you would uh, if you were giving it live and then most important part, watch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> watch yourself
1: giving that presentation and, and take notes. Notice, you know what didn't make sense. Notice where you need to give a clear example. where your eyes go. Studies have shown that we you, know, eye contact in um, at least in our culture, eye contact does not mean the same thing in every culture, but at least in our culture, it's a really powerful and valuable way of communicating. We communicate uh, interest and intrigue and connection through eye contact. And yet when we are presenting virtually that doesn't feel like it's there. We're prone to make eye contact with the screen but that doesn't happen when we are looking right now. I am currently looking at Tiffany and Beth on my screen. Mm-hmm. However, if I move my eyes to my camera, uh, studies have shown that, that simulating eye contact gives all the the shots of uh, you know adrenaline and cortisol and all the happy hormones that we get when we make eye contact with uh, a, a, another person. Hmm. That gets simulated, and our brain functions the same way when we look at the screen and make eye contact with someone uh, because they are looking at their camera. So simulate eye contact with your yeah. audience by looking at the camera, little aside. Um, notice when you're watching your, your recorded presentation where you look, where you don't look, where you stutter, where you slow down, um, and then ooh, send it to somebody. Ooh. Ask for some feedback. <laughs> Mm -hmm. ask for some feedback. If you can get another expert's eyes on your presentation, you will grow exponentially. So Mm -hmm. that would be my advice. Um, uh, Treat it like, you know, a presentation, Um, put the the work in on the front end, and then record yourself presenting before you jump in another virtual presentation.
0: I love that. And one little quick thing I've been thinking about as I've been on like all of us have been on a million zoom calls over the last year yes. is um taking some time and potentially investing in your setup. So right now like I have a couple plants behind me, I have all the lights on in my room, I have a $20 like ring light thing, I have a nice webcam. You know, it all matters. Like what people see on your camera is representing you. Um yes. and like the other day I was on a call and Someone had this crazy busy floral wallpaper all behind them. And it was like kind of hard to talk. It was yeah. just so distracting. <laughs> and it was like dark and it just it looked weird. And it like, I'm sure that's not how she would want to be represented, you know, but you know, yeah. you can only do so much in your house, and I get that. But if you can find a, carve out a little space, even if you just do your video calls in one little random corner of your house. You know, I think that that's important too when you're presenting in this uh, pandemic world we're in.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, everything communicates, right? I yeah. mean, I, I, we've never been in a Zoom call with someone and not looked at every object in the <laughs> background and made no. assumptions <laughs> about them, right?
2: So that's, that's why I'm today. keeping it simple yours. today, it's you great. guys.
1: Yeah, Beth, yours is great. It's just no distraction at all.
2: <laughs> that's called that's called moving houses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but it's true. If your background is cluttered, what is this potential client going to think about your work? Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if your lighting isn't that great, what are they going to think about you? Um, yeah. So, so face Sucks. a window... Uh, and you'll you'll have brighter lighting if you can buy a ring light. Like I bought a twenty dollar one and I hate it. <laughs> uh, when we, I can't wait know, to turn when, this thing off after. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just so bright. I feel like um, I'm being interrogated lamps, the whole lights. time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where were you on the night of? The- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just um, trying to do a podcast, man. <laughs> and clear your background. You know put a plant if you, if you must but, uh, know that everything communicates and how you represent you and your brand matters. Yeah.
0: I love it. Well, Chase, this has been so helpful. Yeah. I've resisted many a rabbit trails on this. Call, I know. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, let's wrap up and just have you share a little bit about your work, how people can connect with you, how they can work with you. Tell us about the business side of Chase.
1: Absolutely. I would love to work with uh, any of your listeners. Um, I am available for a number of communication consulting sort of things. Uh, And that often looks like preparing for presentations when you've got a big presentation. Sometimes it looks like a a, a sort of signature keynote. You know, if you Mm. want to turn a message into a marketing machine. Um, uh, mm-hmm. then let's work together and, and craft that, whether that goal is a TED talk or you want to speak at industry conferences, um, or it, it, if it's helped with proposals like we talked about today and how to do that well, leading meetings, um, how to communicate with the team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've got background in marketing and that sort of thing, but, I, I found that what I really am passionate about is helping people communicate their message more than the, um marketing materials the websites and that sort of thing so so Mm -hmm. that's really where i like to hang out you can find me at chaseandre.com and uh and reach out to me there there's a a place to get connected with me there and um, i'm on socials twitter and instagram at chaseandre as well
0: and if you follow him on instagram you get to see pictures of his cute children and family every once in a while it's true (laughs) it's true
1: i I, am i'm definitely more instagram stories than I am Instagram's grid. I just have given up on keeping up with my grid. But, you
0: know, I feel you, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of
1: work. The Kenza Instagram, however, is is doing phenomenal. Oh, so,
0: thank you. Yeah. We had a really cool Love. team get us kind of set up and understand how to do it all, and now it's running like a decently oiled machine. But uh, yeah, it takes it. a lot of it takes Love a lot of work. It. Thank you, Chase. Thank so chaseandre.com, um, a-n-d-r-e, and at chaseandre on Twitter and Instagram. And of course we'll um, provide all those links in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining us, Chase.
1: Thank you. I'd love to come back. It was so good that to meet you. Guys. We would love that. Great. All right. <laughs> Take care.